today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. U.S. politics. U.S. President Joe Biden has lifted a Trump-era ban that kept many legal immigrants out of America. Sagar McGanny's got the details. Last spring, Donald Trump said immigrants were a risk to a U.S. job market wrecked by the virus pandemic and stopped green cards from being issued until year's end, a ban he then extended through March. Immigration lawyers say the move blocked most immigrant visas. President Biden has lifted the freeze, saying blocking legal immigration does not help help, but rather hurts the U.S. He's also proposed legislation that would limit presidential authority to issue future bans against immigrants. Sagar Magani, Washington. Joining us to talk about all this is Elliot Tepper. Elliot, of course, is Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. I hope you're doing well, Elliot. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, good morning, and uh, yes, yeah, so far, so good. Good. Another step in the uh, the de-trumping, I guess, of, of the uh, administration with the, the order that uh, President Biden signed today. Uh, but I, I think when you look at this in a broader picture, and, and this is a good idea, by the way, a good move by the president, um, they may be trying to get rid of the Trump attitude at the Trump era, but Donald Trump is not going away anytime soon. Uh, he's still, according to what we see, and especially going on the investigations on Capitol Hill right now, still exerts a great deal of influence on Republicans. Oh, yes. The, the Republican Party remains very much a Trump party. There's no question about that. Uh, the the uh, kind of support that Republicans line up on is basically the original Trump line. The change in immigration that you just mentioned is just one small part of a broader pattern. Uh, there was another small tidbit in the news the other day that in terms of nomenclature, the illegal aliens is now going to go out in terms of American publications on immigration coming, you know, immigrants coming in. Now they're just going to be non-citizens. So the emotive term illegal alien, the Trump term, is, is going to be replaced with non-citizen. So there's a trend here for the Biden administration to try to deal with two things. One are the real issues facing immigration, and two, the politicization of it and the use of it so effectively by Republicans, and most certainly by Donald Trump, has a cudgel against the Democrats. So they're trying to clean up the mess, which, and the immigration policy in America is, clearly needs an overhaul, hasn't been overhauled in decades now. Uh, the total immigration reform packages keep failing. You know, Biden apparently is going to try that again. What about the dreamers, you know, those who came over as kids? Now they're can they have a path to citizenship? All of this has been so highly politicized and so effectively, not just by Trump, but uh, highlighted by Trump, that that's now a major ongoing, um, how can we put it, part of the uh, concerns about America's democracy and can it function. Immigration is a core element of that. And, and I think we need to be clear, and I, I'm, I'm sure you've mentioned this in past discussion we've had, uh, that, that strong feeling in many Republican circles, the anti-immigration feeling, uh, was not invented by Donald Trump. It's something that he tapped into. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, the, you and I have been talking about this for four or five years now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, when, he, when Donald Trump announced his candidacy coming down the escalator, uh, can you go down an escalator? Is he coming down the escalators talking about how Mexico is sending rapists and murderers? So that was really just elevating to the to the center of his opening campaign, uh, a, a theme that the the uh, 
Republicans have found very, very useful. Right now, going forward, we're talking about already the midterm elections and the very great possibility that Democrats are going to lose control of the House. And one reason will be slogans such as the former governor of North Carolina has now been putting out saying, look, what the Democrats want are open borders and closed schools. A, a tight little epigram that can ring a lot of bells. It doesn't have to be true. It just has to be out there, doesn't it? It, it builds on a, both of those build on longstanding, in particular the case of immigrants, longstanding Republican uh, talking points that uh, Donald Trump, as mentioned, has just, he capitalized on it. And he can bring forth, he had a very special skill in bringing forth particular issues. Culture wars have been central to the Republican success in America for a long time. Uh, don't look at our economic policies. Don't don't look at what we're doing in terms of receiving money from corporations. Just take a look at whatever turns your crank locally, immigration, uh, race relations, misogyny, um, abortion, a very good one. So keep the base riled up on on culture wars, immigration being one of them, and we can we can come back to power. Well, wow, that was one of the great paradoxes of the Trump administration. The, the religious right, who are supposedly uh, those that adhere to, to those sorts of beliefs, uh, would just, you know, adore Donald Trump, who embraced none of that stuff. But anyway, uh, and, and, and the Second Amendment, I guess, is another classic example of that, Elliot. I mean, yes. for in, in how many generations now have they been saying the Democrats are trying to take your guns away from you? Uh, yes. Anytime anybody introduced, no candidate, not Hillary Clinton, not Barack Obama, not Bill Clinton has ever suggested eliminating the Second Amendment, but they did have tried to enact some controls. But it's it's wordsmithing, and and you're right. There's a willing audience there that want to hear that sort of thing. But this is always the relationship. So in terms of the culture wars, that's certainly been one of the key elements among the others I've mentioned before. But the um, the Second Amendment crowd, remember uh, <laughs> Donald Trump campaigning even alluded to the fact that maybe the Second Amendment people would take care of Hillary, which sounded an awful lot like an invitation to, uh, yep. to bring arms to bear against his opponent. Yes, the the whole use of the Second Amendment is, is also very effective. But the point is, the leader of the party, and the party itself over a long period of time, can build up war chests or, or things, you know, uh, you just open up the file and lift out stuff and you're all ready. So they have groomed their public to culture wars with those particular components in them. And they can be elevated depending on the leader's ability uh, and, and the need of the moment uh, to, in effect, dominate the conversation and take it away from bread and butter issues that affect people's lives on a day-to-day basis. There's an interesting sidebar story that's not getting a whole lot of talk because of all the stuff going on on Capitol Hill, but uh, the CPAC conference is going to be happening in just a few days. Yes. That's the conservative caucus, or conference rather, uh, in the United States. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be a guest speaker at that. Uh, and, and since he's off social media now, uh, not by his choice, of course, uh, is, is this his coming out party for, for the Republicans that have been waiting to hear? For the, is the Messiah coming down from the mountain? Well, I don't know how they view it, but yes, it appears that he's now going to re-emerge in public, and it will be interesting to see if he's still got the, um, the magic dust that can enthrall audiences, and I suspect he does. We also have to point out that uh, since you opened up by saying he's not gone away, this is indeed his re-emergence. Remember, he basically laid low. Had he wanted to 
be visible. He could have, despite being banned from Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Actually, the, the role of the private sector and the corporate sector is, is something we should talk about sometime. But the um, the reemergence of Donald Trump, having, I think, deliberately laid low while the impeachment uh, was on and while all those images were there of Trump people storming through the Capitol building, now that he's been exonerated a second time, in his view, yes, this will be his coming out party. But uh, we should also keep in mind, since you ask about Trump and Trumpism, that he is facing very severe legal and uh, financial troubles in the immediate future. Yeah, I, I, there's an interesting story on CNN uh, from sources that didn't want to be named uh, about how he spends his days. I guess he plays golf just about every morning on his golf course and basically spends his afternoons with uh, some of his top aides going over his enemies list, uh, people that he didn't think were loyal to him during the campaign and, and during the uh, the subsequent uh, legal battles that were going on. So uh, this is a guy that doesn't forget, and he's got that list, and he's looking for an opportunity. Uh, the other element to this, too, which I find interesting and maybe not surprising, uh, if, in fact, the the... the as you mentioned, Elliot, the legal troubles that are facing Trump right now in any way impede his desire, I would think, probably to run in 2024. Uh, Donald Jr. is in the wings, and then they seem to be prepping him to be the guy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a few things on that. The CPAC coming out party, as you put it, we can watch for that and see, will he use it to further divide the Republican Party? That enemies list, is he, go, is he going to basically say there's now going to be two political parties for people who who call themselves Republican, my party and those so-called Republicans, the rhinos, Republicans in name only. Will he use his prominence, his his, uh, command over the faithful to further split the party? In which case, there's certainly a possibility that the Democrats are almost certainly uh, going to lose the House in in the uh, 2022 congressional race, 100% of the House is up for election, a third of the Senate. Uh, Will he use his position to divide or not? Or is he going to try to unite Republicans by talking about those various issues we've already riffed on? So in terms of Don Jr., yes, he is being groomed, uh, but he's also facing some legal problems of his own, uh, two of them. One is he was on that same platform, remember, that got the president of the United States impeached. Uh, he's he's still facing potential incitement uh, charges, and that's being explored. But he's also got financial problems. <laughs> he too is facing uh, some some legal inquiries into his role in, in the Trump organization, in the diversion of funds that were meant for the inauguration, et cetera. The other element to this, too, is interesting. We talked about the hearings that are going on on Capitol Hill about January the 6th, and, and it's, as we expected, kind of turned into a partisan circus, uh, you know, the, the back and forth. But what was interesting is yesterday, uh, soon-to-be Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, indicated to the Senate committee that uh, he is going to pursue uh, criminal charges against the people responsible for that. Now, that's going to drag on for some time, which is probably bad news for those people. Good news for justice, but bad news for them. Yes, uh... The U.S. is facing so many things all at once. One of them, a major question is, uh, will those inquiries lead to the possible uh, incarceration of a former president? So, the, Does America really want to have a former president on trial, which is certainly one of the possibilities coming out from any inquiry, whether it's by the FBI, the Department of Justice more broadly, or any special commission that gets set up? So I think, I think that's... Um, going to be an issue, but also there's a much bigger picture and broader picture in a way about 
which is emerging and coming into focus about the role of of militias, white supremacists in American society, and now starting to focus more clearly on the U.S. military. And the it's just a Pentagon report uh, saying, yes, we know that our people are being targeted uh, for recruitment into extremist causes, and we want to deal with it. And, well, the arrest yesterday of a former New York City cop and also former Marine, I think it was, and there's an alarming number of people in that. And we've heard the story on this side of the border, but it's it's usually a one-off. We've heard there's a, a, a now an ex-soldier out of Manitoba and a couple of others that uh, were linked to some of these extremist groups. But uh, the, the report from the Pentagon indicates that it's still a small minority, but it's a very troubling minority. The case of Canada, General Wayne Ayers, commander of the Army, said months ago now, we know this is a problem, and we are going to fix it. Uh, anybody who's ever seen <laughs> General Harris knows perhaps you should listen to him when he speaks firmly. So it's a recognized issue inside the Canadian context as well. In terms of the U.S., something like one in five, apparently, of those being indicted so far as a result of the Capitol Hill assault have, have former military connections. So there's it's, it's time for America, according to the incoming administration to finally take seriously the whole issue of white extremism and militias as a as a, the number one source of, of terrorism and assault against civilians. And this after the Timothy McGate, you mentioned Merrick Garland, the Timothy McVeigh bombing in Oklahoma is back in the news because Merrick Garland, as a young prosecutor, led that prosecution, which led to the execution of Timothy McVeigh. But it seems that America even after that assault by a white uh, supremacist and anti-government activist, did not crack down on, on militias. So it's entirely possible that that's now going to be on the agenda. Well, it's going to be a very difficult task, too, uh, because, as you know, all the uh, intelligence services down in the States uh, have collaboratively put a report out that said that homegrown terrorism is the number one threat to America right now. Of course, the, the Trump administration has used that and said that, that's, that's baloney. Uh, but uh, that, that Pandora's box has been opened, and I don't know how they're going to close it. That's, that's going to be a, a very conflicting a couple of months or years, I guess it is, to try to sort that out. Yes, and the, the announcement basically over the last few days is there is a new sheriff in town. His name is Merrick Garland. He's got a new president, uh, so that uh, that aspect may be coming into focus. But we should broaden out the conversation again and saying this is just another yeah. another major area of concern domestically for an America trying to preserve and revive the roots of its own democracy. Absolutely. Elliot, uh, we have to leave it there for now. Time is tight. Thank you, as always, for this. Uh, stay well. We'll talk again soon. Anytime. Anytime. Take though. care. Elliot Tepper, of course, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.